You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports Hour on Converge Media. Interesting sort of week. There's only one team uh, that played over this past week as the Seahawks were on the bye week. Uh, interesting sort of things going on here is today the men's national team, the U.S. men's national team for soccer is playing in the World Cup. They just finished up a draw against Wales, which you know, splitting points is fine. But uh, interesting week. There's plenty to go over. There's plenty of good news to look at. Some news from our teams that aren't even, uh, they're in the off season, but have been quiet uh, for, I would say m- some of the months now, Bell, I think you'd agree with that. Um, but we'll get into sort of Seahawks and to start the show off, uh, I know they didn't play this past week. It was their bye week. Uh, the Seahawks did somehow get a little bit better though, as with a Devontae Adams walk-off touchdown for the Raiders, the Denver Broncos first round pick that we received in the Russell Wilson trade this year, move, I believe it was, someone said top five. I don't know if that's correct, I thought it was top five. So just to kick off the show, I wanted to sort of take a look at how we're feeling about our Seahawks sitting atop the NFC West, six and four at the time, um, and having that top 10 pick. You know, we look at all of the sort of things, whether it's Geno Smith's play, the emergence of Ken Walker, the third, the emergence of this rookie class as a whole, um, you know, still getting contribution. You know, it feels like you can always say you want to get DK Metcalf the ball more. You know, but just the usage of the tight ends, the turnaround of this defense outside of the first half of uh, the Germany game. But what what are your thoughts about our Seahawks top to bottom um, as we sit here at the end of the bye week now, you know, have to prepare for the Raiders, um, you know, coming off that that the bye week. What are your thoughts on this team uh, currently? First, I'll say that the trade just keeps getting better for us. I don't think that any of us expected to be sitting at the top of the NFC West division. And then now, of course, as you mentioned, with that Devontae Adams touchdown, a higher pick than we received. So, yeah, it's just it keeps getting better. And our team is still looking good. Like you said, it's been it was a quiet week. Um, of course, they were on by, but as you said, also more improvement as Trey Brown was activated from the PUP list. So hopefully he gets some in-game action this week. Um, on some not so good news, but also doesn't affect his gameplay so much. DK Metcalf was fined $29,785 for unsportsmanlike conduct in the loss to the Bucks. And I don't know if that happened in the beginning half, but I don't recall what it was that got him that fine. Do you? So I I know both parts of it because I remember when this took place, uh, DK had wanted a offensive pass interference call uh, as the Seahawks were kind of getting down near the end zone. Um, I think it was on third down and this penalty that he got, this unsportsmanlike conduct actually pushed the Seahawks back to about a 50-yarder, and Jason Meyer still was able to nail it. So it didn't necessarily end up mattering in the long run, but it does cost DK now $30,000 nearly. Um, I, I believe the main thing that actually got him the flag and perhaps the, the fine was that you know there was the initial video that was shown uh, on the, the broadcast where he was just kind of talking to the referee. 
A second angle showed that as the team was sort of getting back into their respective huddles, DK pointed at the referee, and some said that in, uh, the ruling from the official that was uh, help watching on the broadcast was that it, it made it personal, and that's where the flag came out. But thirty thousand dollars for a point it seems a little bit excessive, you know. When there are other things that this this league should be worried about, whether it's you know slip film turf or the lawsuit that they have now in regards to that turf you know, um, from a former Broncos linebacker, but I don't know. I think it's a little bit ridiculous. Um, I, I didn't see anything really in that instance that really necessitated a, a fine, the flag. Sure. I'll deal with it again. It didn't end up necessarily hurting the Seahawks in the long run in that game. Uh, they were going to make the field goal regardless. Thanks to Jason Myers, but yeah, I thought it was ridiculous. But no, to the point, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on it, where we're at with this team. You know, because uh, I know that a little bit before that game against the Buccaneers started, a report came out that the Seahawks do want to keep Geno Smith long term. I got some comments for that after his first half play, and I was like, man, that's, you know, that's ridiculous. But, you know, with the way that this rookie class is performing and the sort of performances that you've got out of Uchenna Nuosu, uh, the the Frasian cornerbacks have kind of been a letdown, you know, because well, or maybe that's more of an instance of the rookie corners uh, showing out more than the veteran cornerbacks being disappointing. I mean, again, you signed Justin Coleman, already Burns, Sidney Jones was brought back and then released now uh, a few weeks ago, but you got your young corners who have taken those spots, so. I don't know where do you where do you feel that we're at with this team? How much hope do you have going into the remaining seven games on the year? I know that we played the Rams twice. Uh, you have to go and play Kansas City, which I uh, <laughs> it, it's not the worst road ahead, but um, it shouldn't be a cakewalk either necessarily. You know, I know the Rams have really been a disappointment this season, but I know they have a ton of talent still. Aaron Donald still gives me nightmares, so I don't know. I just want to see what sort of thoughts you had about those first 10 games and how we're heading into these next seven. Yeah. I mean, I think they needed a loss. I think they were due for a loss and that was mm. what happened here with Tampa. Um, but this is also going to be exciting to watch because as we mentioned, Devonte Adams and him helping us get a pick, they're also coming off a win. Now we'll be playing them next and we don't know how much momentum they have, how much energy mm. that win has given them because they've had kind of a, rocky start to their season but I'm pretty confident with where our team sits I think there have been games in those first few games where we were unsure as to how they were going to go um I think Arizona was one of those when we first started talking about the season and they've just been dominant so I think they got their bad loss out of the way and it wasn't a bad I wouldn't say it was a bad game it was a bad half and so They were able to recourse in that second half. And yeah, I just think they pick up from there. And I really do see us getting to those 10 wins sooner than later. I know that was because you agreed with Pete Carroll, from what I understand. You said, Mm -hmm. yes, you know, this is that's something that's doable. Uh, Again, I've made my apologies, so I'm done making those. Um, But I, I think what you said about the Raiders is really interesting because you look at, uh, like you said, the sort of uh, it was a walk-off, yeah. But then just a week before with that loss to the Colts, who um, the Colts who have just Saturday as their coach, and that's its own thing, that's its own issue. Derek Carr crying after that loss, getting very emotional, the frustration. 
I, I know that it hasn't been how the Raiders or their fans have wanted it to be to begin the year, but you got to, you got to wonder about that. You got to wonder, you know, what one week can do for them. So that's a good point. So, uh, let's just take a look now at league news here with some interesting stuff. Luckily, there's nothing too bad. Well, I mean, at least in our opinions, maybe maybe <laughs> for the respective teams. But yeah, I'll let you get to that. Yeah, we have some more Goodell news. So the issues, Goodell issues conduct memo, memo Roger Goodell threatened significant discipline for violations of NFL's alcohol, alcohol policy after t- Todd Downing's Titans OC DUI arrest. So um, again, doesn't really affect us. This other one is more kind of a big deal on the sanitary side of things. Um, the Jag Stadium apparently has several violations, uh, TIA bank field con- concessions violations, including finding two dead rodents. That's disgusting. <laughs> That's terrible. Not game day experience. Very bad. No, no. I can't see myself as someone that goes to the arena ever buying food there again. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Uh, well, I, I wonder how many Jags fans that are left that would want to endure that. So, eh, I don't know. But that about wraps it up for our NFL section here. A pretty short week. We were on by. Not much to report on there. So, we still sit at 6-4 and four in the NFC West. And our next matchup is on Sunday after Thanksgiving um, against the Raiders. So, hopefully, they don't have too much turkey and can move quickly still. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Okay. Uh, we look over here to our Mariners segment. And I mean, tell me when I texted you about this, or even when the news broke, how surprised we were. Probably very little. Um, Minimal. As More excited. I'm sure, yeah. As I'm sure everyone could have guessed, and as sure as you've seen, Julio Rodriguez was named the AL Rookie of the Year. The 21-year-old led Major League rookies in homers, B-War, F-War. I know we went over this last week, but we're going to go over it again just so you know we can stick this point. A 509 slugging percentage, an 853 OPS, WRC plus of 146, 260 total bases. Uh, that's all what he led Major League rookies in. So there's a lot of a mouthful there, and that's what he led the entirety of the young class uh, of baseball in ranking second in runs, third in hits, second in RBI, second in extra base hits, and second in stolen bases. Julio becomes the fifth Mariners player to win the Rookie of the Year award, joining Alvin Davis, Mr. Mariner, Kazuhiro Sasaki, Ichiro Suzuki, and Kyle Lewis. Uh, Kyle Lewis' name is a sore subject for me. We'll get to that later. So, in addition to the Baseball Writers of America Association American League Rookie of the Year award, which is basically just the AL Rookie of the Year award, the official one. Julio was named a Silver Slugger, Baseball America's Major League Rookie of the Year, Sporting News AL Rookie of the Year, and the Players' Choice Awards AL Outstanding Rookie of the Year. Again, just as the bottom text here on our uh, little banner says, who's surprised? I, I, you know, you look at all of these nominations being named to the All-Star team, the only rookie to do so this past season, becoming the fourth player age 21 or younger to win Rookie of the Year and win a Silver Slugger and be an all-star, so Rookie of the Year, all-star, silver slugger, outside of Fernando Valenzuela, infielder Albert Pujols, that Pujols guy is pretty good, and Mike Trout, also pretty good, uh, becoming the first player with 25-plus homers and 25-plus stolen bases in his debut season, as well as the fastest person to do that. I mean, was there any doubt? I mean, you got to see him play for a good amount throughout the season, 
became a lot of people's fans favorite, including a shout out to my friend, Matt, wherever he is out there. Well, I, I don't know. What, what's your take? Obviously, this is not something that we were surprised about, but any sort of uh, final words or thoughts on it? You know, now that it's officially official, uh, Julio went back actually to the Dominic- Dominican Republic and had a, like this big welcome. Uh, I th- I'm sure I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, so I don't know, just your thoughts on it as someone who is also there to enjoy that incredible first year for Julio. Yeah, I think it's well-deserved. I think that he definitely joined a fan in me as well. And I feel lucky that our coverage started in his rookie season because now we just get to see him grow from here. So yeah, very well-deserved. And that was very heartwarming to see him go home and celebrate in the DR with all of his uh, friends and family and all the fans that he has there too. So yeah. It's it's just, you know, again, uh, to put it in perspective that he... Well, his birthday is in December, so maybe you should send him something. Um, you know, just being a 21-year-old to have the impact that he did to, you know, at least by war and by all those metrics, the most valuable player on the team. I think he actually had a uh, MVP vote. Uh, I think he was uh, uh, for the seventh yeah. place in MVP voting or something along that line. Just incredible to think about, you know, and, um, you know, had some of those uh, is- issues uh, injury-wise towards the end of the year. Uh, but to his point, I don't think he's played that much baseball in his life over the course of a season yet. So uh, just making sure it was interesting with the end of the year interviews to hear from Jerry DePoto, Justin Hollander, Scott Service to say, go be a kid, go be 21, you know, take some time off of baseball, but I'm, I'm sure he's, he's not taking too much time. He'll celebrate, you know, as he's in the DR uh, with his girlfriend, Jordan Haitama, uh, you know, being celebrated and all that, but I'm sure at some point he'll get back to it. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, you've got him locked up for a long, long time, uh, which is a very, very good thing. So uh, it was also interesting when this was officially announced, there was a a presser following that. And uh, Mariner General Manager Justin Hollander actually said that he missed the official Rookie of the Year Award announcement because he was on the phone working on a potential trade. So... That's a perfect segue. Um, we'll we'll hold the segue, I guess, for a minute and look at some of the roster moves. You know, with the Rule 5 draft coming up, uh, the Mariners had to make some roster adjustments on the 15th. Prelander Baroa, Isaiah Campbell, Jonathan Classe, and Cade Marlowe were all named to the 40-man roster, filling it up. Then we get to the trades here uh, after some other stuff. Some guys were released, and so to make room, on November 16th, the Mariners acquired uh, former All-Star Teoscar Hernandez in a trade from the Blue Jays. Seattle receiving the All-Star right fielder, uh, former Silver Slugger. Uh, and Toronto receives relief pitcher Eric Swanson and left-handed pitcher Adam Mako, who is a pitching prospect actually from Slovakia. So to look at that, that's that's a, this is a big deal in and of its own um, because I know that the big discussion that we've been talking about with the Mariners this offseason has been adding more offense, adding more of an impact bat and a middle of the order guy. And that's exactly what Teoscar is. He's a great hitter. I'm not going to say he's a perfect hitter because he's had some issues with strikeouts, uh, could use, uh, could keep his eye out a little bit more and get some more walks. But this is, this is an impact addition. You know, it sucks to lose a guy like Swanson. Um, who had some great numbers this past year. I know some people wanted him used more down the stretch and in the playoffs. Uh, Mako, it sucks to lose a guy that was, I believe, was a top 25 prospect. But 
to that point, at some point when you want to become a contender, you want to really push yourself over the edge, you're going to need to lose some young talent and you're going to have to compromise. This move also uh, had some comments about if might signal the departure of Mitch Haniger. I know that DePoto mm-hmm. and Hollander have said that they're in healthy discussions with him and both sides want to get a deal done. Um, and in the uh, presser about Teoscar, they said that he can play either corner, which is very interesting considering the kind of logjam uh, in a sense that you have in left field. But there was a report that came out today that the Dodgers and the Angels are interested in Haniger as well. So it's, it's interesting. But uh, to get a guy like Hernandez is, is, a, is a win. I know that there's concern over the fact that he's only under club control this year. But uh, Justin, no, Jerry DePoto said that if all things go well, they're going to extend him. You know, it's so that's it's uh, it's a big deal. That's a big deal. I know that's something that I, uh, I you've seen it, Bell. Uh, I've said it. I said over the past year, anybody that read the articles knows that something that I wanted was more offensive consistency. And this is the guy that's going to help that. You look at you want to be able to look at this lineup and minimize the guys who are, you know, higher likely to get out than get on base. Um, you want to be able to maximize that every day. You don't want to see a lineup and say, well, he's not going to do well. He's not going to do well. You know, um, so this is a great addition. Again, he's got a great bat. He's not great defensively. I'm not going to say he is, but that's the bat is what you were looking for. The offense is the key component. The next day, the very next day, uh, the team traded outfielder Kyle Lewis to the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, in exchange for Cooper Hummel. You can see there uh, probably my favorite photo of Lewis captured by Matt, actually, Matt Bermudez. Uh, it's got under, it's an uh, unfortunate uh, sort of look here because, you know, when it was hitting it, it was the goodbye. You can see the goodbye, goodbye baseball screen on there, but now it seems goodbye as he's leaving. Aww. It's very disappointing. Uh, so the Mariners receive outfielder slash catcher Cooper Hummel. Yes, outfielder slash catcher. A little bit of an odd combination. Hummel is a 27-year-old. He appeared in 66 games with the Diamondbacks during the 2022 season, batting 176 with 20 runs, eight doubles, three triples, three homers, 70 RBIs, and four stolen bases. He's five foot 10, 198 pounds out of Portland. So uh, I know that he talked about growing up as a Mariners fan, so I guess that's cool. He appeared defensively uh, in 18 games as a catcher, in left field 21 games, and in right field only two games. He also played as the DH uh, in 16 games over six minor league seasons with the Brewers and a few with the Diamondbacks. He holds a career 397 on base percentage over 443 games with 256 runs, 78 doubles, 15 triples, 48 homers, 219 RBIs, 20 stolen bases and 277 walks. So, you know, we, we know about Kyle Lewis. He's a guy that has incredible talent. They're actually both 27. Um, he only appeared in 18 games this past year with the Mariners, won the 2020 Rookie of the Year. But in uh, 22 and 21, only played a combined 54 games. Um, it's tough. It's a tough move. I know there was a lot of, so why did you make this move? I, I'm, I know part of that is because of the limited production and limited statistics from Hummel as well as the fact that Kyle Lewis kind of became a fan favorite, kind of became a guy that mm-hmm. you wanted to root for, blowing out his knee in Everett, basically ACL, MCL, LCL, just ripped out, you know, and to be able to come, uh, you know, smash a homer off of Trevor Bauer in his first game back in September of 2019 to win the Rookie of the Year 2020 and give us a bunch of memories in that. Um, 
even this year, he smashed a couple home runs uh, when he was able to be back there, got hit in the head with a ball, had a concussion. <sighs> it's, there's, there's several reasons that he became a fan favorite. And, you know, unfortunately, as a fan, a big fan of Kyle Lewis, I think it came down and extends to an availability thing. Jerry DePoto said that they wanted to get him a fresh start. They know that it's been tough for him, you know, again and again, not been able to really stay healthy. Uh, they said it was tough for them to make that trade, you know, because Kyle Lewis was one of the first guys that DePoto in that front office actually drafted. So it's kind of, he's kind of been on that track with them. Uh, they also liked what Hummel brings offensively. And I know just with the Mariners and what they do, his uh, versatility is what they like as well, you know, being able to play catcher, being able to play outfield, but it's tough. You know, I can understand the frustration, but it's not as like questionable maybe or mind boggling to me as some others think, you know, just because of the fact that, you know, whether it's availability, knowing that, you know, with where you're at this season, having come off that playoff, playoff appearance and wanting to win and be able to contend, you can't really wait on guys to an extent. And that was a thing that DePoto said is we wanted to have people that were ready now. And we weren't sure about that with him, which that's really tough. It's, it's really tough. So it's unfortunate, but at the end of the day, these sports are all businesses and, you know, I, I still will hope for Kyle with the best, uh, you know, so unfortunate, tough. Do you have any uh, thoughts on that bill? Yeah, I mean, I think that all I can say is it's tough to go from being the rookie of the year to then only playing 54 games in the next two seasons. So I understand the hesitancy to keep him, um, but hopefully his departure works well for for the club that he's going to and the Mariners. So, Luckily, they're not division rivals either, so it's not like I have too much of a rooting interest difference. So um, we'll look towards some league notes here uh, as, again, it's still the offseason and the free agency is kind of pushing along. It's like a caterpillar just yeah, going slow. Um, on the 17th, it was announced that the 2024 All-Star Game was awarded to the Texas Rangers. The Rangers will host the 2024 Midsummer Classic and accompanying All-Star Week events. I don't like that. I uh, Have you seen photos of their ballpark? Mm-mm. Okay, when you get time, look up the Texas Rangers ballpark. It looks like a giant warehouse. It's horrible. It's terrible. I think, uh, I don't know, Texas, I disagree with that. I know that the 2025 game, they're still trying to figure out the host for that, but 2026 will go to Philadelphia. Sure, but Texas, I don't like that ballpark, so I have an opinion on that. Uh, you know, with free agency, there's still some big names that are figuring things out, including Aaron Judge. Some news on Judge, uh, which is he's a far shot, but I can have a hope. Okay, uh, he's I want to win the AL MVP. Said he wants to be on a team with a winning culture and a commitment to winning. The Yankees did make him a new offer. Uh, General Manager Brian Cashman announced that the Yankees are awaiting on his answer. And the Dodgers, of course, the Dodgers want Aaron Judge, saying that they'll make a run at Judge after shedding $100 million off of their roster. I don't think they'll be able to make it work. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I've seen crazier things happen before. So that'll be an interesting saga to follow, as well as where the top four shortstop on this market uh, all end up. But uh, as Jerry DePoto said, that this is probably going to inch along. We probably won't hear too much this week as it's Thanksgiving week. We'll pick up probably after that as we get uh, closer to the December general manager meeting. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, 
sadly, there's no storm news as the storm overseas website on the storm website hasn't been updated. There's there are only going to be a few games played over the past uh, week, but we don't have uh, too much news on them. So, Bell, why don't I hand the reins over to you for the Sounders segment? All right, let's do it. Which, again, the Sounders are also not in season, but we still have a tidbit of news, and that is team news. So on the 15th, the club exercised the 2023 contract option of Sam Adenera. Can you say that for me? (laughs) Adeniran. There we go. I didn't want to pressure it. Thank you. Adeniran led SAFC with 12 goals in 24 appearances, including the postseason, most recently scoring the game-winning strike in Sunday's 3-1 win over Louisville City in the USL Championship Final. And also on the 15th, the club declines the contract option for Freddie Montero. The veteran remains in active discussions with the club, and Seattle's roster now sits at 25 contracted players heading into next season. Kind of an interesting sort of two moves there. I know that that was the plan with Adoniran was that in earlier in this past MLS season, he, <laughs> the level of competition for him on the defiance was low. The Seattle Sounders thought, hey, you know, you're doing a little bit too well. We're going to send you to San Antonio. He helps them reach that championship final. And they say, okay, we saw enough. We'll bring it back. So he'll probably feature a good bit on the, uh, the main roster this upcoming season. The, Declining of the contract auction with Montero, I know that some people see the that decline part. They're all, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm sure it's more of a just figuring out money-wise. And maybe it's – I know that the Sounders, you know, they let Will Bruin walk. And they're they're talking about getting a backup uh, striker. So I'm wondering how much of it is, hey, let you guys figure out what you're going to get. And then maybe I'll make my move after that. So – no, no, no. Interesting to see kind of the the, the youth in Adeniran and a guy like Freddie Montero who's been around uh, in different sense with this club, uh, the two contrasting moves there. But with that, you know, talking about the offseason, I don't know how well it's going to be able to see there. But the Armory is having uh, World Cup watch parties. There was that one earlier today. Uh, oh, I'll do it again. Um, handing out these little towels here. Hey, they got the space. That's what that was. I only looked at it really quickly. But uh, <laughs> for the Armories having watch parties, they had one today for U.S. versus Wales. It was packed. I didn't expect it to be packed on a Monday, but lo and behold, uh, a bunch of people brought laptops. So I'm sure people were doing virtual work. Um, awesome. The next one will be on Friday, and then uh, which is actually against England, which is a big deal. Uh, and then the next one will be Tuesday. And unfortunately, I won't be able to make any of those. So I'm hoping that they're able to make it out of the group stage and uh, hopefully there will be more of these watch parties. I know that Jordan Morris was able to make it in for some minutes and uh, got subbed on in the 88th minute for Tim Weah, who actually scored the only goal for Team USA, uh, had a draw, unfortunately gave up an 82nd minute penalty to Gareth Bale. It's a good showing. I mean, they had a good first half. Tim Weah actually becomes the first person to score a goal against uh, Wales in the World Cup since Pele. (laughs) It's a long time. Um, but no, knowing that there are, I'll put this up on the screen here. There are four Sounders players, um, who are playing in the world cup, Jordan Morris and Christian Roldan, obviously on the U S team, Javier Arriaga, uh, helped Ecuador beat Iran host country, Iran, um, yesterday on Sunday. So good for him. Good to see that, uh, Iran actually became the first host country to lose their opening game, which 
Uh, ooh. That's not so, a good set. Good to uh, take a look there. Uh, we'll we'll try to keep as much as we can with the statistics and how our Sounders do um, in the World Cup. So that'll be interesting to know. I know there's a lot of controversy around that, and there's some notes that we'll look at. Um, I know that a journalist actually was held for 30 minutes by officials at the match because he had a rainbow shirt on. There, there's a lot of discussion to go in. You know what? No, we're going to go into it. We're going to take a look into it uh, because this is a big deal. So there was that. The uh, beer was banned at the World Cup. Alcoholic beer will not be sold in and around the stadiums in Qatar. Uh, as it was a, two days before the be- tournament began. They announced this. And one of the major sponsors was Budweiser. Uh, there were plans to wear a, a captain's armband with uh, that supported LGBTQ plus uh, had rainbow on and had uh, other designs. Uh, several countries were planning to wear that, but uh, that was announced that that wouldn't happen. Yes. Uh, early this morning, several European teams have mixed their plans to wear the anti-discrimination captain's armbands at the world cup after FIFA threatened them with sanctions. So, Follow along with me here. World Cup journalist detained, as I mentioned, Qatari authorities held longtime soccer writer Grant Wall for 30 minutes because of his rainbow LGBTQ uh, shirt. There's a lot of controversy around that, and I understand that is why a bunch of people, I'll put the banner here, but why a lot of people aren't going to watch this year's World Cup, and I respect that. I respect that decision because there's a lot of controversy around how uh, a good amount of people lost their lives actually creating the stadiums and putting time into you know getting this World Cup. There was thoughts that there was uh, corruption uh, for Qatar to even get this uh, World Cup in general, how they got the bid for it. You know uh, how they had to put in millions and billions of dollars, and the mo- uh, I think it was twenty billion dollars to fund this World Cup. That's more than all the past World Cups combined. It's 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 a big you know. So I understand if there are folks who aren't going to pay attention to it, and I respect that decision. But just you know, reading those last few headlines, you know, it's 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 tough. And so if there's any question about why it's controversial and why some people might not support it. Just uh, go over those past headlines. So wanted to touch on that because it felt wrong to sort of say what I did and then not mm-hmm. go over those headlines. So we're going to shift and try to change the tone here as we look at our Kraken, Bell. So why don't we look at last two games before these two was like, ah, oh, they're tight and uh, disappointing. And then they kept it tight, but they won these two. So why don't we take a look at those? Yeah, our Kraken just had a thrilling couple of games. They played on the 17th versus the New York Rangers, and they won in overtime, 3-2. to two. Our player of the game was Justin Schultz with two goals, two points, a two plus minus, and five shots, and the OT game winner. And on the 19th, they won with the exact same score against the LA Kings, a 3-2 to two game in OT. Player of the game was Jordan Eberle with one goal, one assist, two points, three shots, one hit, and one block, and also the OT game winner. So, you know, you talk about those OT, well, you talk about game one, and when we look at the stats here, that's a perfect segue to our player of the week, and it, you know, looking at it, it just made total sense. Uh, So we had a pretty eventful week. Two goals, two assists, four points for Justin Schultz, a four plus minus five shots and a game winner against the Rangers. That's actually his first ever multi-goal game in his career. And he's been around quite a bit. So um, what have you been able to see from this team over the past two games? I know we talked about it with the loss to Winnipeg, the one no shutout against the Wild that was unfortunate. 
But I know that, so just to, to, to fill in on this, I know that after that overtime loss to Winnipeg, that this team has been practicing three on three, practicing their overtime game, mm-hmm. trying to be more patient with the puck, not rush into risky decisions, thinking about making that next pass as opposed to just risking it all. Um, and it's paid off with these two winners, you know. Um, I know that we look at it uh, after before these two losses again, and you're like, okay, uh, someone said, are they in a skid right now? I said, no, they lost an overtime game, which does get you, thankfully, in hockey, it gets you one point still towards your standings. And that's the only reason why the Kraken aren't in second place in their division, because in that overtime win against L.A., you know, both teams at least get one point. So L.A., you know, uh, we would be tied with them in points right now, but because they got the one point, um, they hold the advantage for second place. But I just these are games that this team would lose last year. They weren't able, it just felt like they weren't able to, they'd, they'd stick in it, they'd show a hell of a fight, but they wouldn't be able to stick around. I don't know, what, what have you garnered, you know, from whatever pet attention you've been able to pay to this team uh, in regards to what you're seeing, their success, how they might have been different than last year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to note, like you said, they had just lost an overtime win. They had struggles against these teams. I believe we lost to the Rangers the last time we played them. Yep. First um, ever win and, against the Rangers actually. And is isn't it against the Kings as well? Because I believe we lost uh, both against the Kings last season. No, we 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 have wins against them. We had have some we? there we we played a like a double head a back to back against them where we torched them in the first last year towards the end of the year. Okay. And then lost the second. And then our first win of the year actually this season came against them after an overtime loss to the Ducks. Uh so Shows the overtime stuff, but yeah, we, we Kings with a division, you know, we see them more often, uh, some struggles, but not too much, but yeah, with the Rangers, that was your first win against them ever. Uh, so over the original six, I have to think about, I'll, I'll do that while you talk, but you get another, that's your first win against another one of the original six teams. So it's good yeah. to see, but and I'll, like I'll look you at said, that. these are, these are, um, games that we would have previously lost. I just think they're, it looks a lot cleaner in OT right now. And mm, obviously yes. the practice is paying off for them. So, um, yeah, I thought they were calm and collected and Schultz just had took the shot at the right time and got them the win. So they, yeah, they just, it looks cleaner. It looks well executed and they look patient. So I think, I think that's language. a great point is cleaner. Just, being uh better in it because that's what it was you know you you watch these guys a bunch of uh, the times in overtime before and it's like they're rushing into things they're trying to cut through the zone cut through three guys you know it's just almost like selfish in a way uh there were a bunch of times where in these last overtime games where you know uh, i like jared mccann a great example was bringing the puck up into the ozone uh for the other team and was going to rush into it and he said no i'm gonna i had a shot but i'm gonna turn around and think about it and take a different look at it and they were able to obviously get the win later some patient play and a defensive poke by justin schultz actually our play of the week got a poke um poke the puck out ahead to jordan eberly in that game against the kings caused a breakaway and like that. So I think that's a great word to use it is cleaner. Um, and I was looking at the original six and I, you've won 
all your game you've won a game against all f- of them except for the maple leaves i believe against the maple leaves yeah. um, i don't want to sit here and you know kill our time looking it up on google so you know if i'm wrong you can correct me um but it, it's a good sign you know because again this is something that i wouldn't have seen from this team last year you know um and to get contribution like this from schultz a guy who's kind of been up and down this season is good to see knowing that you know maddie Beniers has he got back on the the uh, point sheet this past game, but he's kind of been quiet offensively. Mm-hmm. Jared McCann hadn't scored for a while before his goal um, against the Rangers. Daniel Sprong had been quiet as well, oh, I believe, against the Kings, actually. So some guys who had been quiet are coming back here. You know, Philip Grubauer, uh, not to cut into your injury news segment here, is back and now backing up again. Martin Jones is still playing well. You know, so there are a lot of good signs here um, for this team, and it's, it's, it's really exciting. Again, I know that... I think a few weeks ago we talked about the plan that Ron Francis had was three to five years from inception to make playoffs. And this is year two and you're still hanging around. You're still in third place in your division and sooner rather than later, you could be in second place, you know? So these are good signs. These are all good signs. Now, as you teased here, we do have some injury news on Grubauer and it, might be a little outdated now, but um, on the 17th, Grubauer says that he should be good to go by the weekend. On the 18th, he was activated off of IR. Uh, Gustav Olofsson re- was reassigned to Coachella Valley Firebirds in a corresponding move to Grubauer being activated off of IR. So, yeah, this was something that I know it's, it's controversial. And I'm sure, Bell, that if you see anything Kraken-related, there are the comments about Philip Grubauer. You know, oh, it's unfortunate because some of the morning skates I've gone to where he's out there, it's like some Kraken fans want proof of life that they're out there, you know. (laughs) Uh, And I'm like, yep, he's on the ice. And people go, oh, great, our expensive backup goalie. I, I hope he doesn't come back. It's like. That's a little bit harsh. It's a little bit ridiculous to think about, you know, because, again, this is a guy that goes out, got overworked to an extent last year. A lot of the goals against him were not his fault. Um, And a lot of guys have been given a second chance. Uh, Martin Jones is a guy who struggled last year, I believe, with Philadelphia. You know, has had some tough times in San Jose. And he's making a great name for himself right now with this team. Why can't Grubauer get that same chance? Why can't he get that same sort of second chance and get that same sort of leeway? I'm going to give it to him uh, if he come able to come back and play well. And you see these fans. Oh, we've always loved. I'm going to, I'm going to keep an eye on that. I'm going to keep Lose an eye on it. <laughs> so why don't we look at some team news that also kind of draws the uh, talk of the fans here. Yeah. On November 20th, they assigned Shane Wright to the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Wright is on a one-time conditioning load, meaning he can spend 14 days with the team on the would you like to say something regarding that? Yeah. So again, you know, with again, going similar to Grub, Grubauer, you know, with Shane Wright, he has been the talk of the NHL world. Like, oh, this number four overall pick, why isn't he playing? There was a the headline mm-hmm. from uh, Yahoo was that after a disappointing start to the season, when you're winning games, there are four lines offensively in hockey, right? You know, um, and the fourth line for this team, technically the like bottom of the barrel, quote unquote, it isn't right necessarily because they switch lines so often, but technically your fourth line guys aren't necessarily your, your big stars. The fourth line for the Kraken have been playing really well. They've been all, Daniel Sprong is a guy who's playing on a one-year deal. Ryan Donato got brought back on a one-year deal. Even Morgan Geeky is someone that 
they're all guys who are fighting for their future. You know what I mean? And they've been playing well. So if I'm winning games, if I have great contributions from Morgan Geeky, Ryan Donato, and Daniel Sprong, why am I taking one of them out of the lineup? Why would I do that? You know, and Shane Wright is 18 years old. He's a fourth overall pick. I understand that. I know that different rookies around the, le- around the league are getting more playing time. But at the end of the day, you, why would you comparatively take it at your own pace? Just take it at your own pace. Uh, he'll go on this conditioning loan with Coachella Valley over the 14 days. He's uh, at practice today with them right now. Uh, he can play f- five games uh, maximum with them over that 14-day span. And then what's likely to happen is that as soon as he's done with that 14-day loan, he'll go and play with Team USA because they have something coming up in December. He'll be fine. Again, I, I will say this. He'll just be fine. I am not worried about him. I'm sure it's kind of like an instant gratification sort of thing. Or like, oh, number four overall pick. And there was all this excitement that he fell to us. And then, you know, he's a guy that's been put in the spotlight because of his talent and his potential since he was really young. Mm -hmm. It's it's like even really young. Yeah. So, you know, it's like certain guys, you know, that expectations put on you. And then when you enter the league and you're not, you know, mashing from your from minute one, it's like, oh, he's a disappointment. Give him. We don't swear on this show. Give him a break. You know, so I, I, I'm not worried about him. I really hope that he goes down to Coachella and just rips people apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of that, I know that we try to keep the minor league coverage too low until we're able to get that sort of manpower. We're going to keep up with Shane Wright. So keep up with that. Uh, look forward to that these next few weeks. But then we'll get to Martin Jones here, who, again, he's, he was our player, my player, star of the week the last two weeks. I thought about it this week when I saw this note, but I was like, I can't, I can't do three weeks in a row. Yeah, but I mean, maybe you should have because Martin Jones was just named the NHL's third star of the week. Martin Jones went 2-0-0 with a 1.90 goal against average and a 932 save percentage to guide the team. 10, 5, and 3 with 23 points is where they currently stand to a pair of overtime wins. So a very good week for him. And yeah, I couldn't blame you if you did go with him for your player of the week. I thought about it, but ultimately I went with someone else down the stretch here. So uh, why don't we look at what's coming up next for these guys? Is it, They come up to the end of a six-game homestand. There's been a lot of hockey. I mean, I'm, I got the Team USA hat on from yesterday, and uh, we won't talk. It's, again, that's technically not in our Circling Seattle sports coverage. We will have an article for that later. Live Lions got great photos on the ice for that. Um, but it's been a long week of hockey. It's been a long yeah. weekend of hockey. Uh comes to an end on Wednesday here, but let's, let's look ahead to uh, it's. Oh, and then after that Kings game, Seattle will play four straight divisional games. And these next three are all uh, up this upcoming week. So why don't we take a look at that? Yeah. So a day before Thanksgiving on the 23rd, they will play the San Jose Sharks at the 7 PM puck drop. And then they play again the day after Thanksgiving (laughs) um, at Las Vegas golden Knights. And that's a 5 PM puck drop. And then on November 27th at Anaheim against the Ducks for another 5 p.m. puck drop. When they say they play a lot of games in hockey, they're not kidding. So um, we'll keep an eye on that 
obviously because that's what we do. Uh, looking over to our Owl Rain here, who are in the off season as well, but uh, with sort of free agency and off season, you know, continuing on, some roster moves were made on the fifteenth. We'll look through that. Uh, some options for 2023 uh, exercise, including Olivia Athens, Claudia Dickey, Laurel Ivory, and Olivia Vanderyat that you see pictured here. The rates, uh, the rain retired, retained, pardon me, uh, the rights for two loan players for 2023, Ryan Brown and Alyssa Melanson. Both are currently on loan with FC. I'm not going to try that. Um, over in the Danish Women's League, those uh, a move that the rain wanted to see them get some more playing time. They weren't going to see the time or the field with the uh, the first team, so they sent them on loan, and then we'll have them back for next year. Interesting to see what sort of contributions that may might, they might make uh, this upcoming season. They're currently in discussions with Marley Canales for a new contract. No word on that yet. Waiving the rights of Sinclair Miramontes and Yodi El Kukul. Um, And then currently some big names here that are eligible for free agency. Uh, Lauren Barnes, Lou Barnes, uh, Tobin Heath, Megan Rapino and Nikki Stanton. So just to look at that, I want to look at that. You know, normally that's that's all we've got for our rain off season news. But those four nine four names there at the bottom. Uh, you know, with Rapino after the loss in the semifinal um, to Kansas City, Rapino basically said, "Why would I go anywhere else?" So I don't. Mm-hmm. She at the I, and I'm not calling her old just to say that she's old, but at her stage in her career where, you know, she's, she probably wants to, you know, stay fit, stay in the proper shape for the upcoming women's world cup this uh, next year um, in a familiar situation with a coach that she likes with a team that, you know, continues to compete. Why would she go some? I really, why would she go somewhere else? It doesn't, that's, you know, you look at all the facts, at least it doesn't make sense for her to go anywhere else. Lou Barnes is interesting. I know I talked to Lou in an interview this past year where I asked about the expansion teams. Lou is someone that's from California, you know, so having the expansion teams of LA and San Diego, it's tough because she does have family down there and, you know, wanting to do that, it would be tough, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I, from what I understand, it doesn't seem like she's likely to go anywhere. So I, again, another one that I would say unlikely Tobin Heath is a name that's interesting. I would love to see Tobin Heath back with this club um, in the limited games that she did play with the rain. She was, uh, she was able to be productive, had a game winner against uh, angel city down in LA and a great three to comeback win. Um, but I know that uh, certain that uh, Twitter will have fun with this, but uh, uh believe they're partners. Uh, Kristen Press plays down for Angel City in LA. So it, it would make sense if Heath wanted to go down and join her. Um, but I know that, you know, following up with Tobin, uh, whether it was in players' Instagram stories or just, you know, what you could see from Heath, it seemed like she enjoyed being in Seattle. She said she likes the West Coast, uh, won't go back to Portland, but there's some hope there, I'd hope. And then Nikki Stanton to wrap up. Nikki Stanton's from North Bend. She's on a team that's competing, um, is able to help with the midfield. So I, again, another one. So three out of four players I'm confident uh, would return to the rain. I'd like to see that. Uh, Heath, I, I would put about 75-25 in terms of unlikely, but three out of four is is pretty good, at least numbers-wise, I'd think. You know, so who would you be most shocked if they didn't make their return? Most shocked or disappointed? Shocked is what you asked, but is that? Yeah, I guess disappointed. 
disappoint. Well, I would really, it would suck to lose Lou Barnes just because of the captain mantle that she holds. Um, and she's an original and that you could say the same about Rapino, but I would say shocked mm-hmm. Rapino because of the fact yeah. that she basically said, I don't have anywhere else to be. I don't, I wouldn't want to, uh, essentially that's not word for word, but if I'm paraphrasing, that's what she said in that final presser after the semifinal. So shocked Pino disappointed and, or, or sad Lou. So we'll go lose a friend of mine. So I, I say that also in that terminology as well. So those are important decisions, you know, to look at with the options exercise. That's the youth of your club there. The same with the rights retaining. Um, but that free agency, it, it's great to see these players finally get free agency, but I don't see too many of them leaving. Signing is another thing. I, I'll leave that to my buddy, Nick Pereira, the GM to make those decisions to see of who uh, gets brought in. But I digress. We'll head over here towards the Seawolves, who we finally have some news here. The schedule has dropped, so we have some understanding about uh, matchups and all that. And we we do finally know the identity of the expansion team. Uh, so, Bill, why don't we take a look at the uh, upcoming schedule for our Seawolves? Yeah, so week one, our Seawolves will face the Rugby New York team. Um, and that's a home match played at Starfire Sports Complex in Tequila a rematch of the 2022 MLR title match. So that should be a good one. No, there's no question as to why that's number one, probably. (laughs) Um, Week two versus rugby Atlanta. That's February 24th. Week three at Dallas Jackals. Week four versus the Houston Sabercats. That's a Western Conference Finals rematch. Week five is a bye week. And surprisingly, as Chuck and I were talking, it's not their only bye week. On week week six, they face the Chicago Hounds in Chicago. Week seven at New Orleans against the Gold. Week eight versus San Diego back at home. That's a Western Eliminator rematch. Um, Week nine at Utah Warriors. Week 10 at Toronto Arrows. Arrows, Sorry. Week 11 versus Dallas Jackals. Week 12, that is their second bye week. So I'm not sure if the MLR has done this before. Chuck, you can enlighten us on that. But it seems a little weird compared to what other sports go through. From what I imagine and just following along these past two seasons again, I will admit to our rugby fans, Rocky the Seawolf, the official matchup, buddy. I'm sorry if I'm wrong on this. Uh, But from what I imagine, this is a second just because, I mean, like, the well, I know the NFL f- players have been pushing for a second bye week, considering that they play over the course of an 18-week season now. But I imagine this is what rugby uh, MLR is doing. You know, with mm-hmm. how much contact there is, with no pads, comparison in comparison to the NFL, this probably will be what we see as a second, you know, sort of week off, sort of preparation thing. Uh, because as I was talking with Bell about, if we look on the official MLR website, it goes by rounds. There's round four and round six, but no round five for the Sioux Wolves. And there's round 11 and round 13, but no round 12. So I'm assuming that's what it is. If it's wrong, please correct us so that we can get that right going forward. But just from what I remember last year and it just educated guests, that's what I'm assuming what it is. Yeah. So after that week, 12 by week, they go off to Houston to face the Sabercats. Back home versus the Chicago Hounds. Travel to D.C. to face the Old Glory. On week 16, they are back home against the Utah Warriors. Week 17, home versus the New England Free Jacks. And then week 18 in San Diego. And that is the regular season finale. 
so just looking at all of that, um, I know that, you know, things have been surprising over the course of the year last year with this team, you know, whether it was technically being eliminated from the playoffs coming back now, you know, Chicago, Chicago hounds, it's an okay name. I'm not mad at it. You know, it's not incredibly scary or anything, but congratulations to Chicago on their expansion team. What are, if, if I gave you a calendar and you were going to circle a couple games, what what would you put on there? I'm sure week one, week one against Rugby New York, you actually traded a player of yours to Rugby New York uh, in the offseason, the rematch of the title match at home too. Uh, what are you, I'm, I'm sure outside of that, because I'm sure that one's on there. What else are you looking at uh, this upcoming season? You know, the funny thing is that I feel like in the calendar for this year, I was going to look for the two teams that are no longer playing this season so it kind of leaves me with a question mark because yes definitely of course week one um we fell just short last season so it'll be interesting to see how they come out week one um against the team that they lost to so definitely circling that one but i think i would also circle the chicago hands just to see how they're, they're gonna start you know that's a good point. And I mean, you know, what you see Dallas on the schedule, Dallas played their inaugural season last year. And we, I, th- I think that last home game that we played against them, Seattle dropped 73 points in a, just a, so I, uh, you'd like to see in terms of parody, Chicago do well, but it, it is interesting to see how that'll work out. Uh, I'm not sure if there's going to be an expansion draft sort of thing. So I'll have to keep an eye out for that, but I expect the Seawolves team to be able to compete again this season. Uh, some interesting additions in the offseason, whether it was uh, the veterans, this upcoming, this past draft class, not having your captain, Rickard Hatting, for a few months. Well, a few of these matches. So, But I expect this team to compete again. I, I don't expect much else. I know that those the 2020 season and 2021 were rough. But just from what we saw in 2022, some additions, and knowing that you know, in terms of what you were poor on uh play wise can be fixed ideally right i'm not the coach um i expect this team to compete and i'm looking forward to that it'll be great to get rugby back uh back up and running um and hopefully kick some behind so we'll look over here uh now well we have to wait until what february Eh, i can do that we look over here to our sea dragons who completed their draft uh there's a lot going on there's a lot of players initially but knowing that there's going to be a camp and this roster will be slimmed down um some of these names we might not see so why don't we take uh why don't i take offense and i'll have you take defense bell so we'll look at our quarterbacks which is such an important position for this team and any sort of American football uh, league that is uh, the quarterbacks. So the Seawolves went with Ben DiNucci, former Cowboys backup and Steven Montez, former Colorado standout, former Washington commanders player. Um, that's an interesting, I know Montez has been an athletic quarterback in his career and Ben DiNucci was actually more of a TikTok meme than anything else. So that again, the quarterback position is so important. Uh, that'll be really interesting to look at at the running back spot. Uh, TJ Hammonds, Brendan Knox, Scotty Phillips, and Morgan Ellison round out the backfield uh, for Seattle. TJ Hammonds out of Arkansas. You can see here we've got Brendan Knox out of, I believe that's Marshall. Um, wide receivers, Kevin Shaw, Jawan Green, Jacor Pearson, Damian Willis, James Madison, Richard Davis, Jalen Red, 
Dave, Tavion Cunningham, Blake Jackson, McLean Mannix, and Kevin Cassis here pictured, who was actually released by the Seahawks just a few weeks. Uh, no, this past week, we talked about him in roster moves, actually. Um, and then kind of weird, the only tight end drafted is former Husky Joshua Perkins, which I don't really understand that. I mean, usually I at least have two tight ends. You use some two tight end set, but that's up to uh, Coach Jim Haslett. And then on the offensive line, uh, Chris Owens, Michael Manet, Jacob Capra, Julian Davenport here pictured a former top pick, Liam Jimmins, uh, Paul Gratton, Frank Ball, Tyrion Arsenault, Yvonne Latuli, and Josh Seltzner round out the offensive line on the offensive unit for our sea dragons but why don't we take a look here at i i always with the xfl look for my former huskies uh pictured here will be sam uh, pama on the defensive line here but it's interesting because he actually retired from football a little hmm. bit ago and now he's back with the sea dragons so i don't know yeah, so we'll look at our defensive line first. We have Elijah Ponder, Curtis Weaver, Austin Falio, <coughs> Daniel Joseph, Tuzar Skipper, PJ Hall, Sama Pama, as you mentioned, Julius Turner, Eric Hansen, and O'Brien Goodson. We move on to our LBs here, Nico Lalos, Jordan Evans, Trey Walker, Emmanuel Smith, Antoine Jackson, Jalen Thomas, and Alex Thomas. And then our DBs, Chris Jones, Antoine Brooks, Lyndon Stevens, Shabari Davis, Reggie Robinson, Kareem Orr, Quinterio Cole. Oh, goodness. I am going to ruin this one. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Sturman, Farizm, Kendall Carsons, Roger Cray, and Michael Wright. And our specialist here, LS, Thomas Fletcher, PK, Brandon Reese, and Cameron. Oh, goodness, another tough one. Chuck, take a crack at it. Nizialak. Nizia, <laughs> okay. It's, it's, so, funny names aside, we look at, you know, this sort of roster. I know it's pretty decently heavy, but... Um, I don't know. Nothing really jumps out at me, you know, talent wise. It's like, oh, you know, we got this guy and we'll have to take a look into that next week and just kind of take a look at this roster and where it stands. And I'm sure we'll get a better idea once sort of training camp comes up for that. But, you know, just to know that this is an opportunity for a bunch of guys to go out and show the NFL, you know, a league that's more structured, that's got better pay. Hey, I deserve a spot on your roster, whether it's Kevin Cassis here that just got cut a week ago, shows out and say, hey, Seattle made a mistake in cutting me. Whether it's one of the quarterbacks, Ben DiNucci, Steven Montez. I know that P.J. Walker with the Panthers. He had a great season with the XFL last year before it folded. Uh, Lyndon Steffens, you know, in the cornerback room. He was a guy, you know, I go back to the photo here, spent time with the Seahawks and never really cracked it, uh, made a sticking impact. So uh, at the end of the day, you just hope these guys are hungry and that they want to compete and they want to win so that teams are able to say, hey, this guy's doing pretty well maybe we should take a second look at him but i mean i guess for you is there anybody that sticks out in your uh, or any position wise whether it's the tight end room only having one guy um it's definitely that yeah like you said normally <laughs> at least a duo there but i mean i'm also kind of thrilled that their one pick just happens to be a husky so 
yeah, excited to see how these guys do and then learn how to pronounce their names better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Maybe when we they have training camp, Bell, we can ask them how they do that. <laughs> uh, it, it'll be exciting to have more American football around. I know they start in the spring here. Um, we'll have a busy spring, man. Golly. You know, with the Mariners coming back and the storm season starting and the Sounders and the rain and the Kraken will still be running and the Seawolves and the, yeah. So if, if there might be a, a lack of coverage right now, don't worry. We'll, we'll be back. Um, so we'll, we'll wrap it up here with the stars of the week and in a perfect segue from that uh, Seawolves, Sea Dragon segment, pardon me, to uh, start of the week. I went with the Sea Dragons primarily for the fact that this is a new team and I'm hoping that they're able to really um, have a good season, have a good season, put on a good show in Seattle. We, we especially know that these Seattle fans are great and that they are going to put on, you know, they'll, they'll show out. I'm sure they'll show out. I still see Seattle Dragon stuff uh, from last year's uh, season around. I, oh, no, pardon me, two years ago. I'm sorry. I know I said last year twice, but I still see the C, uh, the Dragon stuff around, which is like, this is a team that was only around for a few months and people decide that, yeah, I'm going to wear that in the morning. So I'm excited. I really am to get more football. Uh, it's going to be at Lumen Field, which is easy to get to. So I'm excited for that. You went with the Kraken as a whole, and and I don't blame you for that. I You could have honestly as well. We talked about it in the Kraken segment. You could have gone with Martin Jones, and I wouldn't blame you, but uh, we've got some good photos for this. But what are your thoughts on, on your pick here for Star of the Week? Well, for one, they are our only team that had any games last week. So, <laughs> but also just the way that week went. I mean, two overtime wins. We discussed uh, what our hopes were for this season. And you mentioned just looking better, getting better, their defense. And it looks like things are clicking right now because we just won two in overtime. So I just hope to continue to see success from this team. So that'll about wrap us up as, yeah, again, like you were saying, kind of the only team going on the Seahawks had, Seahawks had their bye week. They returned to action this upcoming week uh, against the Raiders, a team that's, as Bell mentioned, coming off of a walk-off win. The Mariners, things will probably get a little bit quiet for them as free agency inches along. The Storm, we're hoping to get more Storm overseas news as the hopefully the uh, Storm website for that gets updated. The Sounders will keep you updated as best we can as the Men's World Cup team uh, continues, as well as the other Sounders who are playing um, for their respective national teams. The Kraken will continue their play, and it's exciting to see that go, but they will end their six-game uh, homestand heading on the road for Las Vegas and help me out. Was it Anaheim? Anaheim. Um, mm -hmm. The rain offseason will continue. I expect them to kind of slow down as well. But then we've got Sea Dragons to continue to look at. And the Sea Wolves, we have an idea of when they'll start. So uh, it's just just on the horizon, just over the hill. So, uh, do whatever you can to make today a great day. Keep yourselves well, as you can probably tell, uh, as a, uh, my lips get all messed up with the cold wind. Uh, Keep yourself well out there. We're going to get some rain tomorrow, finally. It's been a long time, but as I said, uh, do whatever you can. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy that however you can. Uh, if you already put your Christmas tree up, I, I don't know, man. I was just never one of the, the, the people to do I wonder if Bell did that. Anyway, no. <laughs> we'll get you out of here. Uh, do whatever you can to make today a great day.
Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.